Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Thursday. This is Seattle Now. The Seattle City Council passed a new ordinance banning caste discrimination. That's an ancient system that, while outlawed in India since the 50s, still persists, and it divides people into social hierarchies based on birth. The divisions can lead to isolation and violence against people in a lower caste. Councilmember Shama Sawant and Lisa Herbold co-sponsored the legislation. This bill is not technically complicated. It is a very simple question. Should discrimination based on caste be allowed to continue in Seattle? But while simple, it is also profound and historic. The legislation is off to Mayor Bruce Harrell now to sign. And if he does, Seattle would be the first city to ban caste discrimination. But critics of the ordinance say the current discrimination law should be enough. Seattle University professor Sittal Kalantri is here to help us untangle the legislation and talk about how it might be implemented. But first, let's get you caught up. We may be breaking records for cold overnight tonight in the Seattle area. The National Weather Service says it's going to be in the low 20s. The city will open severe weather shelters, some staying open until next week. You can find a list of warming and overnight shelters on the King County Regional Homelessness Authority website. Among them, the Seattle Center's Exhibition Hall will be open overnight for at least 100 adults. Seattle City Councilmember Dan Strauss says he'll run for re-election, which makes three incumbents running again. He joins Councilmembers Andrew Lewis and Tammy Morales. Strauss represents District 6, which includes Ballard, Finney Ridge, Green Lake, Greenwood, and Fremont neighborhoods. He said since being elected to the council in 2019, he's worked hard to improve his district and has an ambitious plan to tackle the city's problems. And the first American Girl twin characters aren't from Minneapolis or St. Paul. Instead, sisters Nikki and Isabel Hoffman are from 1990s Seattle. And yes, one of the dolls is wearing a flannel shirt. No combat boots yet. The company says even though the twins' story is set around the Y2K era, they still have a lot to teach modern girls. I'm Dalit worker living in Seattle for the last 20 years. I urge Seattle to do what is right. Vote yesterday. I was born untouchable. I didn't choose where I was born, yet I was humiliated in every step of a life. My teacher told me it's below his dignity to even touch me, let alone teach me. I've traveled to this country in search of dignity, and yet I witnessed direct and indirect discrimination. If the city had protection for caste discrimination, I would have at least complained. On Tuesday afternoon, the Seattle City Council voted to ban caste discrimination in the city. And ahead of the vote, lots of people showed up to deliver passionate public comments in person and online. In person, we have 60 more. We have almost 100 now. And then um, online, we have over 200. So um, that would take us well into four or five hours. They ended up hearing about 75 minutes of comments and arrived at a six to one vote. Councilmember Sarah Nelson was the lone no. She said the current law is sufficient and the votes in favor could be reckless. All right, so I want to make this very clear. Caste discrimination is abhorrent and I oppose it. However, I'm concerned that designating caste as a protected class in Seattle is likely a reckless, unnecessary and harmful solution to a problem about which we have no data or research on its occurrence in Seattle. I say reckless because my colleagues and I know full well that this legislation poses legal risk for the city and the likelihood of legal challenge is high. 
This ordinance resembles non-discrimination policies at some U.S. universities, Brandeis, University of California, Davis, Harvard University, and Colby College. If it gets approved at the city level, it would give people a way to pursue legal remedies. But there are some big questions about how the legislation might be implemented. Seattle University professor Sital Kalantri is here to discuss how the current law stands up to CAST. Thanks so much, Professor Kalantri. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me and for covering this issue. I really appreciate it. So this is first of its kind. And supporters say the current discrimination law isn't enough. And opposition is that the law on the books is sufficient. Does discrimination law help protect caste discrimination? Is it so clear cut? So traditionally, you know, when immigrants move from one country to another, they might bring some prejudices with them or they might not. It is stereotypical itself to assume that all immigrants share one behavior. But let's assume that um, some bring caste prejudices with them and a caste prejudiced person might say, well, I don't want to interact with someone who is from a traditionally oppressed caste from my country. And the law doesn't can't prohibit uh, social discrimination, right, in the sense that we can't make people interact with each other. If I don't want to go to dinner with someone, I don't have to go to dinner with someone for whatever their characteristics are. The question where the law can intervene is contexts like the employment context, right? And that's where it's really important in our area. Legal scholars such as Professor Krishnaswamy, Krishnamurti, and Brown, they have argued that in the employment context, uh, namely Title VII, caste is likely already protected under religious discrimination. If not religious, there's also national origin, potentially as race, but most likely as religious discrimination. The problem is, of course, that the people who are applying this law have to be sure to interpret it in that way. And then when and when courts deal with it, they also have to be sure to interpret it in that way. So it's likely covered, but we wouldn't know until we had court decisions on the subject. So much to untangle, but let's talk a little bit about why this was such a contentious ordinance. It certainly brought out a lot of people in favor and against. In in India, it is a problem. It's a huge, huge, huge issue. It's been used to oppress people over centuries, over time, keep them both out of employment, out of education, out of society, you know, to the extent, well, people, some caste oppressors won't even touch other people. So we do see that people who've been discriminated in this way feel very strongly. They should be. They come here and they feel their sense of oppression. And when they interact with other people who might be from that same country, and caste pressures, they also feel that this shouldn't be allowed. It's been outlawed in India since in the constitution of 1950, but it remnants still persist. Opposing views say, one, that mostly there's already legal protection here, but you know, what is the harm even if there's legal protection? At best, it actually makes changes. At worst, it's symbolic. Let's raise awareness about this issue that ha- occurs in other countries and occurs here. And, and let's try to solve it. Even if there's one incident, neither side thinks that caste discrimination is all right and should be allowed. Both sides think it should be prohibited. But the side that says we don't need it thinks that it targets certain groups of people, right? Should Seattle be in the business of looking at all the different things that happen around the world? And if it one incident happens here, should we include that in all of our laws? The council says the ordinance is not specific to South Asians, but reaches many caste systems across continents and religions. So it seems like the awareness is already building in the legislation. I am wondering, 
if institutions in the U.S. are equipped at this point to fight discrimination with this level of specificity. Right. So where I think we need the work to be done is the advocacy and the awareness raising. And what this law does do is have these conversations, right? Have 75 people show up. You and I are having a conversation. It's all over the Seattle Times. It's in the BBC. It's everywhere, right? So it's raising a conversation. So if I'm a human resources manager and I'm just sort of, you know, grew up in this country, I'm Caucasian American, I have no idea about this. And someone comes to me and says, hey, I have faced this experience. Maybe I can be more attuned to it. Uh, They should already recognize that it's prohibited. You know, it's prohibited not just in Seattle. It shouldn't happen. you know, in San Francisco. It shouldn't happen in New York. It shouldn't happen anywhere. And people should, those HR managers everywhere should talk to their legal counsel and say, look, employment discrimination law probably already prohibits this. So we should be attuned to this. Yeah. And we are the first in the nation to do this. So are we setting a precedent here that other cities may pay attention to simply because we've done it? It's possible. I mean, and there are some universities like the USC system has included, included it in their policy. So we would be the first sort of governmental body to do it. It's very possible. I would think it depends on, you know, the politics of, of those cities. Our country, unfortunately, is so polarized and politically divided that I doubt this would be of concern to certain cities and certain states. It makes sense that it happened here to the extent it was going to happen anywhere. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this law rolls out and how the Office of Civil Rights does outreach for it and education, because I'm sure that'll be key, Professor. That is absolutely going to be key, just to educate both the people who are not aware that this happens in this limited situation, and those who are practicing it should know that it is frowned upon by all societies, American society, Indian society, everywhere. Yeah. Professor Sital Kalantri, Associate Dean for International and Graduate Programs and Associate Professor of Law at Seattle University. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Appreciated it. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Brandy Fullwood. The show is also produced by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, Vaughn Jones, Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. Paige Browning's in for the next couple of days. See you next week.